Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Alongside Pat Welter, Dennis Cox here with you this afternoon on 99.9 The Fan. Lots of things to get into. We're obviously going to dive back into this PGA Live merger. Stanley Cup Finals Game 2 happened last night. And as a Canes fan, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another goal just went in. I, yeah, for Vegas, they're, they're scoring left and right, it feels like. But also a lot of sports happening here locally with schools in the triangle. So let's get into the Daily Checkdown, brought to you by Window Nation. News that we had heard earlier today, UNC signee Simeon Wilcher, a four-star guard in the 2023 class, has requested his release from his national letter of intent. So this is someone who's supposed to be showing up on campus in the coming weeks, coming days, really. But again, according to 24-7 Sports, he has asked to – he's basically decided not to attend and has asked again for his release from his letter of intent to UNC. And Armando Baycott tweeting out this afternoon, running from the grind. Ooh. I don't know okay. if that's subtweeting, maybe as the kids call it. Uh, oh. Taking shots. Taking shots. Armando, maybe. Armando Baycott taking shots. So, look, this is uh, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So, when Elliot Cadeau comes in, reclassifies, and everyone is like, oh, this guy's going to play right away. And you look at the roster where you already have R.J. Davis, you've got Cormac Ryan, you've got Seth Trimble, who people conveniently forget about, who was a freshman last year and people were excited about. Mm-hmm. So, where was the room for Simeon Wilcher necessarily to play? Well, some of that's on you to earn your opportunity. Like Hubert Davis always likes to say, I don't know where, when, and how it's going to hum. But it's going to come. That didn't necessarily ever happen for Dontre Styles and DeMarco Dunn. Yeah. So maybe these guys coming in are like, all right, you're not necessarily living up to some of these promises, so I'm out of here. And I guess that's all right. But this is something that could hurt them down the road. This was a recruiting class that was number 13 in the nation. Now they only have two people coming in. They've got several open scholarships. And it's just more reason to question the culture that Hubert Davis is building there. Right or wrong? don't necessarily know there are reasons for why this guy's leaving but you also there are reasons to question what David Hubert Davis is building too yeah there's this especially coming off probably one of the most disappointing seasons in Carolina basketball history your preseason number one you just got to a national championship game the year before you have four or five starters coming back and you don't even make the NCAA tournament it's one of the more disappointing seasons in in Carolina basketball history let's call it what it is at least in recent history so, yeah, there's definitely a reason for calls of concern. Again, Simeon Wilcher, a four-star guard, ranked according to 24-7 Sports, ranked 34 nationally, the seventh-ranked combo guard in the country. It's a big-time recruit, big-time recruit. And he says, I'm not going to attend Carolina this season. I won out of my letter of intent. So, a lot of questions for UNC. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. The question of who starts at quarterback at NC State between Brennan Armstrong, the transfer in from Virginia, and MJ Morris going into his second season with the Wolfpack seems to have been answered. 
in an, in an exclusive in, interview with the Wolfpacker, Dave Doran was asked about, hey, who's the starting quarterback? He said, right now, Brennan is our starter. Again, keywords right now. Mm-hmm. But right now, Brendan Armstrong is the starter for NC State, and the I am not shocked in the least, Pat Welter. This is the college football world we live in, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a fun one because if you don't have a quarterback, you can go out and get one, and even if you do, you can go out and get a better one. And I yeah, think, you can go get another one. <laughs> I think that's what NC State did here because uh, it's an arms race. And they had MJ Morris, who flashed uh, last season. Uh, he came in. He played better than expected. That game Uh, against Wake Forest, he was outstanding. The Virginia Tech game in the second half, Mm -hmm. I mean, and they were in dire need of a quarterback because the guy they had playing from Charleston Southern wasn't getting it done. They just weren't even throwing the ball when he was in the game. And M.J. Morris unlocked the offense in a new way. But Brennan Armstrong is a guy that's produced. Brennan Armstrong is a grown-up. This guy is in, what, his fifth year in college football. He threw for 4,500 yards two years ago under Robert and I, who came in here. Brennan Armstrong commits shortly afterwards. Not a coincidence, and this makes sense. Why hide from a Dave Doran? I think we all know this guy came here to start, and why not position it that way from the get-go? Armstrong's not going to transfer his for his final year of eligibility to a place where he's going to be a backup when he was already a starter at his previous place. I also think Doran's not somebody that's going to hide from if MJ Morris is better. Yeah. He'll play him. Now, there is the possibility that MJ Morris could redshirt the season. He can play in up to four games. And still be eligible for a red shirt. He was not. He's not eligible for a red shirt from last season because he played in five. Mm-hmm. So he's not eligible for a red shirt from last year. But if he plays in four or less games this season, he can red shirt this year and still have three years of eligibility left after this upcoming season. But yeah, Robert and I, the new offensive coordinator, when he was at Virginia, Brendan Armstrong was putting up some big time, massive numbers. So yeah, I would take the guy who has a ton of starting experience, who knows the offense like the back of his hand. And can come in there and produce right away. Now, Anai last season was in Syracuse. Who beat NC State. Who beat NC State. He was in Syracuse. We saw early on in the season, Syracuse put up some really yeah. big numbers last season. And we saw Brennan Armstrong's numbers dip. Different offensive system in, at UVA for uh, for Brennan Armstrong. So, yeah, it, it there's reason to believe that Armstrong is going to be back to producing somewhat level of numbers that he was doing at Virginia. Maybe not those exact numbers, but still pretty good ones. Now, who's he throwing to? Devin Carter no longer there. I know there are questions with with him in terms of his consistency with his hands, in terms of a lot of drop passes, but I don't know who he's throwing to. Mechanizzi ain't coming back. A lot <laughs> of questions and a lot of def- on the defensive side as well. So if you can answer the biggest one and quarterback with somebody that's a sure thing, uh, that's a big uh, weight off your shoulders for sure. We'll find out in due time this coming fall. All right, next up. One, two, three. Keeping it here local in the triangle, Duke baseball got a massive 12-3 win yesterday in the Conway Regional against Coastal Carolina. 12-3 win. They're on to the Super Regionals. They got to go to Charlottesville. They got to take on Virginia. So they got to face an ACC opponent that they saw three times earlier this season in Charlottesville where they beat them two out of three times. But the big story is MJ Metz. Guy guy. tore his ACL late in the season. Dude still hit bombs. It's something we can all wrap our arms around. You know, right? college baseball isn't something a lot of people follow super closely throughout the year. When you, so when you get a story like this, and they got their hard hat thing in the dugout, and they're dropping bombs everywhere. Like this, is, it's not only Mets hitting home runs. I mean, this they beat Coastal Carolina twelve to three. Well, here's the thing: it was twelve nothing until the top yeah. of the ninth. They're like, yeah, sure, we'll give them a few. And this was the team that was hosting the regional. 
So that was a good ball, ball club out there. But they're yeah. going to go play Virginia here in the Super Regional. Another team that can hit. One of the best hitting teams in the ACC. So this should be fun. And we talked to our friend Chris Edwards uh, back at about 345. If you missed the conversation, check it out on the Best of 99 on the Fan Podcast. Chris being the play-by-play voice for the Duke Blue Devils for baseball and women's basketball, talked about how they kind of they kind of have to piece things together with their pitching staff. Mm-hmm. They don't have guys that go six, seven innings as starters. They basically put things together in terms of two innings here, an inning here, maybe an inning and like and, and one and two thirds innings here, like it's basically just a, a bullpen rotation what? for the Duke Blue Devils. But it's paid off for them. You're you're one of the last sixteen teams left. Well, that's modern baseball, right? Home runs and bullpens. Yeah. And uh, what what do the what do the Rays call it? Where like the opener? They call them the opener. You know, yeah. I mean, that's how they play baseball nowadays, and it works. Next up, and I don't even care who number two is. Game two of the Stanley Cup Finals was yesterday, Pat Walter. I was watching. Vegas Golden Knights, 7-2 to two win. 7-2 to two win over the Florida Panthers. It's like, wait a second. I thought Sergei Bobrovsky was a brick wall in front of a brick wall. More goals allowed in that game than they allowed the entire series versus mm-hmm. the Canes, which is staggering to think about and frustrating if you're a member of the Canes team or of the fan base. Now, it's not all on Bobrovsky. The Panthers are making some uncharacteristic mistakes They made here. some undisciplined play. They, they took some pretty undisciplined penalties early in that game, and Vegas capitalized on them. So I wonder if, you know, all the rats going on the ice down there, beating Carolina <laughs> and upsetting the Bruins, the Leafs, the Canes. At a certain point, do you start to celebrate and start buying into your own narrative? And maybe mm-hmm. that's what's happening. I don't know. Paul Maurice, good coach. I like what he has to say. But Vegas has come in with their crazy intros, with their Game of Thrones oh, yes. thing going it's on. Awesome. And, I love and it. And they deliver. But you know what they say? Series doesn't start till the road team wins. Nah, series has already started. One team's down 2-0. And I agree with you because one thing that's made this Panthers group special is they've played well on the road. They went in. They mm-hmm. got up 2-0 on the Leafs. They came into Carolina, won 2-0 here. So the fact that they are not playing well on the road is a red flag. It is, and they've played better on the road this whole postseason than they have at home. This is, I think, again, where the frustration comes in for the Carolina Hurricanes, at least in, in us as fans, is there are so many moments in each of those four games where Carolina got swept against Florida where it's like you look at that moment, you're like, ah, that could have been the win. If that happened, that could have been the win. Like how different things could have been. For example, how different would the series have gone if in game one in overtime – Canes were on a power play. Sebastian Ajo puts a shot on goal, kicks out off of Bobrovsky's pad, and he's down, and Seth Jarvis elevates the puck and hits off the bottom part of the crossbar, bounces down, and comes straight out. I'm like, if one centimeter down, or if that puck's just rotating a little bit differently, that's in the, that hits the bottom of the bar and is in the back of the net, what are we talking about? Hey, Canes win an overtime game one. Mentality of that series completely shifts. Completely shifts. One little small moment, but give Vegas credit. I mean, that's hockey in that sense, but give Vegas credit. They're capitalizing on those opportunities. When you watch Vegas play, it's pretty similar to how Carolina does it. And credit to that organization, too. Yeah. That's a new team has now been to the Stanley Cup final twice in their existence. Twice in six seasons. And, you know, the way the expansion draft works, you can poach a lot of the great players, and they actually oh, yeah. have uh, Marchesov from Florida who scored last night. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, credit to what they've done, what they've built, but it also speaks to just how close Carolina is. And I think that's the thing is that they're that close. Now, I will say this about Florida. Yeah, I understand that they're an eight seed. They're the last team in in the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. But that was a team that last season and 2021-2022, they won the President's Trophy. Right. So it's not like there's lacking for talent. Now, I know they did trade a couple of their big pieces in order to get Matthew Kachuk, and Matthew Kachuk had an outstanding season and has been great in the postseason as well. So, yeah, I understand that they did still make some tweaks, but let's be honest, that still is a team that won the President's Trophy just a couple years ago. Much like what we saw with the Colorado Avalanche a couple years ago, won the President's Trophy, got bounced early in the playoffs, come back the next season and win the Stanley Cup. That speaks to the randomness again. Yeah. Like it speaks to the point of why the Canes run up the way they are, where they want to be. Now, maybe they could change their approach a little bit next year where – can they can they find a way to peak in the postseason? I don't think they this uh, can like it's part of Brindamore's system is play every game the same. Now there's a downside to that too, but that's kind of the little tweaks that you look at. How do we get right at the right time? And maybe mm-hmm. they don't need to change anything because the Svechnikov torn knee was just something that was a ticking time clock because he got injured in the bubble series a couple years ago, and that's what he told us. He's like, yeah. this was basically gonna happen. It was a matter of when. So it just happened to happen at the wrong time when they had this team that was literally a piece away. Next up. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. We're here with Coach Pete, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Coach, let's hear about your power plan. Well, Coach Pete's power plan, 22 steps to get you on the right direction for retirement. Also, make sure you have a successful, income-filled retirement. Tim, the next 10 people are going to give that away. No cost or obligation. For the power plan, call 800-691-3215. You can also go ahead and text Tim to 600-700. The phone number, 800-691-3215, or text Tim to 600-700. All right, the top story today, Pat Welter, WRL Sports, joining me, Dennis Cox, here in studio this afternoon. Something that I did not expect to happen, kind of came out of nowhere, and that was the merger of the PGA, the DP World Tour, as well as Live Golf, all merging together. I'll tell you what, the U.S. Open is going to have some big ratings, because that's next week. Yeah, that is, gosh, I didn't even think about that. That is... Yes, I did not even think about that. Yeah, that is next week. The Canadian Open is actually coming up this week on the PGA Tour. Now, Jay Monahan, who's the commissioner of the PGA Tour, talked about the the merger basically between the PGA Tour and Liv. Well, I talked to players. I've talked at a player meeting, and I've and I've talked to a number of players uh, individually uh, for a long period of time. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask, you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? All right, so that's uh, Jay Monahan actually talking about uh, this. Actually, one year ago at the Canadian Open, as I mentioned, uh, I'm talking about players that went for Live Golf, that yeah, where the money comes from from Saudi Arabia, and they're 
public investment fund. A public investment fund that has a, minor, a majority ownership stake in, in Newcastle United of the Premier League, that has other ventures in sports, including they have the there's a Saudi Arabia professional soccer league, and they have a majority ownership, I think, in four of the clubs over there. And that's where Cristiano Ronaldo plays. That's where Benzema, who just agreed to this massive contract, the French player, to go play in that league as well. So they're throwing a lot of money. Now, this private investment fund, from my understanding, is worth over $600 billion. It seems like a lot, Dennis. There's a lot of cash that they can float around out there. And they might need to use some of that cash to uh, quiet the waters here a little bit because you've got the PGA Tour players that didn't go to live, that went to bat for the PGA Tour, that carried the water, the stance that – PGA Tour is where the real competitors play. PGA Tour was real golf. The people going to live were selling out. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, that's exactly what they did, not just for the money, but also their morals and where this money was coming from and how the Saudi Arabian government treats its people and the human rights issues that exist in that country, which tie back to 9-11, which that quote that Jay Monahan was talking about mm-hmm. is going to now live in infamy on his docket and his resume. Oh, that was making the rounds today. Like, all over the internet, that quote was making the rounds today. But here is Monahan again on the PGA and Liv merging together. Listen, I think today is a it's a historical day for the PGA Tour and the game of golf. Uh, and it's a historical day for the PIF and the DP World Tour. And you're right. You know, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. And David, the way that we're doing that is we're creating a for-profit LLC uh, that the PIF is going to invest in alongside the DP World Tour. Uh, and together, we're going to move forward uh, and we're going to take efforts to, to grow and expand this great game and to take it to new heights. And so what's happened today, and to your earlier question, is we've recognized that together, we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. And I give Yasser great credit for coming to, the t- t- coming to the table, coming to the discussions with an open heart and an open mind. We did the same, and the game of golf is better for what we've done here today. So this whole moral compass thing that Monaghan had, guess that's just gone? It's just kind of pointing in the other direction. It just, you know what? I'll just go ahead and put this in my pocket and don't have to look at it when the money's good. So, again... I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Monahan, you're a hypocrite. I'll say the same thing about guys like Phil Mickelson, the guys who sued PGA, and who are like, like Phil Mickelson tweeted out, oh, awesome day. Oh, it's an awesome day. Smiley face emoji. You're a hypocrite too, cuz. Like, you're a hypocrite too, because you're the one that trashed the PGA publicly. You're the one that sued the PGA for basically saying that they monopolized the sport, which not true, but they monopolized the sport, influenced media companies, all that kind of stuff. So you sued them while also taking the money from Liv. Hey, you want to go play on another tour? Fine, go do it. I don't care. I really don't. Now the question- but don't sit there don't sit there and celebrate this now. I'm like, no, you're just a stooge. You're like, you're just a stooge. You're a hypocrite and a stooge. When the dust settles, though, because people will – Forget these things that we're saying today, at least the average sports fan. 
is Jay Monahan right that golf will be better? Now, independent no of where the money is coming from, I can see that in a sense where you have unified these tours. What people maybe don't realize who don't follow golf super closely is mm-hmm. at the majors, everybody does come together and you get the best feel possible yeah. from the European tour, from the PGA tour. Uh, and you can have different people exempt in for different reasons. Uh, the past major winners, for example. Well, now we're going to have that all the time where you have the best golfers at every event. So there's something interesting to that. I mean, it's what it was with the PGA tour years ago. And then you're going to have the money that's flooded into the sport. So we're that's going to create new incentives for better athletes to be like, hey, you know what? Instead of playing baseball, I'm going to play golf when you're a kid because of maybe the salaries that we're talking about. I mean, these live guys were getting $100 million just to play in it. Over oh, there. just to play. So there is an interesting repercussion to it all. Uh, but again, it comes back to where the money comes from and where does this go from here? Because I see Jay Monahan who's sitting on this board next to um, Yasir Amoyahan, who's also working with him. So the PIF working in conjunction with the PGA Tour. But that money controls the board, ultimately. It's like PGA controls the board, yeah. but the money controls the board. So who's really going to be in control here? What do they try to take over next uh, in the sports world? Um, there's a lot of int- – how do they integrate back the live players into the PGA Tour who – from all accounts right now, the Live Tour is going to finish its 2023 season. What happens to all these guys like Rory McIlroy, who didn't take the money and is now being like, yo, uh, I'm going to need something here? Well, that that's that's something we haven't gotten into. We can, we can dive into this a little bit later on, was that the guys who were championing the PGA Tour and stood tall for the PGA now are all of a sudden are like, well, wait a second. I, I didn't want to be part of that. Now I have to be part of it. I, that's that's got to be a rough situation for some of those guys. It's a tough lesson. It's to, a tough thing to sell. I mean, it's it's a greed wins, and that's that's a sad part about um, culture in the world. But time and time again, nice guys do finish last, and that's what we have here. At Wake Med MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. 